Good morning, everybody. Come on, you're here. You made it. Time change weekend, but you're here. You made it, right? I have kind of affectionately termed this weekend as National Pastors Freak Out Weekend. It really is, because on Saturdays, pastors all over are freaking out, wondering, are the people going to remember to change their clocks? But you did, and you're here, and I'm so excited, and I'm so glad that you're here. Some of you need to wake up a little bit, so everybody just kind of pinch your neighbor, nudge him just a little bit, and just tell him, wake up. Wake up. God has something to say to you this morning. Hey, hey, let's start with a little question today, and I need you to raise your hand and help me out today. How many of you have ever been lost before? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever been lost. Put them down. Now, how many of you were lost when you were a child? How many just remember that? Like, maybe you're at the store, you know, and you're not paying attention to mom, and you're looking at the toys, or you're whatever, and all of a sudden, you look up, and then mom's not there, right? And what are you doing? You're like, freaking out. Like, where is my mom? And you're running all over the store thinking that you've been left behind. And then if you're like me, you go to the front of the store and you ask them to page your mom. Anybody ever done that before? Then embarrass your mom or your dad or whatever. And as scary as that can be, like when you're lost in the store, as scared as you are as a kid, who do you think is more scared in that situation? Is it the kid or is it the parents? Of course, yeah, it's actually the parents because as kids, you know, we're kind of oblivious to things and we don't really know all the bad stuff that could happen. But a parent, like those of you that are parents here today, when you lose your kid in the store, it is like, what is going on? And it don't matter if you look ridiculous in the middle of Walmart, although that's kind of hard to do these days. But it doesn't matter if you look ridiculous because, I mean, you just got to find your kid. And when you finally find the kid, man, it is like it is like this incredible reunion and celebration. And even if the kid was disobedient and did something they weren't supposed to do, it don't matter because my lost child has been found. Anybody relate to that this morning, right? And it kind of reminds me of this story that we're going to be looking at today. We've been in the middle of this series called Moral of the Story. So everybody say Moral of the Story. Moral of the story. What we've been doing is we've been looking at some of the stories that Jesus taught. Some of the parables is what they were called. Some of the parables that Jesus told. And we've been just kind of getting down to what are the principles and what is kind of the point of the stories. What are the spiritual principles that Jesus wants us to learn from some of these stories. And we've looked at some really, really good ones over this last few weeks in this series. If you haven't been with us, I encourage you to get the app and catch up on the podcast. But today we're going to be looking at perhaps the most powerful, maybe the most famous of all of the stories that Jesus told. In fact, there's so much incredible, great stuff in these stories that we're actually going to take the next two weeks, this week and next week, to really kind of unpack this parable. And this story that we're going to talk about today is actually a story about a child who is lost. It's called the parable of the lost son, or some of you may recognize it as the parable of the prodigal son. And we're going to look at it today. It's found in the book of Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and turn there with me this morning because we're going to look at it in just a minute. And let me just kind of set it up here for you just a little bit. Jesus says that there was a man that had two sons and one day the younger of the son comes to his father and he tells his father, he says, Father, I want my inheritance. Now, this wasn't necessarily an unusual thing for a father to leave an inheritance for a child just like it would be in our day and time. But what was unusual about this was just like it is now is that usually a child doesn't receive their inheritance until after the parents have died. And it was the same way back then. And so this was 
was a really, really kind of shocking request as this, as this son comes to the dad. And you can imagine how this must have made the dad feel because it was very actually insulting. Basically, he was saying to his dad, dad, I kind of just wish you were dead. Now think about that as a parent. Basically, he was saying, hey, I want you to die or I would rather you be dead. And not only that, the reason I'd rather you be dead is so that I can have your stuff. Now, think about that for a second. Basically, he's saying to the dad, dad, I don't really want you. I just want what you can give me. I just want your stuff. And I think about that a little bit. Sometimes as Christians, I think sometimes we kind of have the same attitude towards God because a lot of times the way we are towards him is that, well, God, I, I, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven and I want you to save me and I want all the blessings that you have for me and I want to have a good marriage and drive a nice car and make a lot of money. I don't really want to live in your house and I don't really want to follow your rules and I don't really want to live according to your word and I don't really want to have much of a relationship with you, but I just want you to give me all your stuff. And basically, this is kind of what is happening, that the son is saying to his father, it'd be better if you're dead because I could have all of your stuff. And this is an incredibly shocking kind of a statement. But what is more shocking even than that is the response that the father gives to his son. Now, I don't know about you, but I have three children. And if one of my children came to me and said, Dad, I want my inheritance and I want it now, I'd be looking at them saying, maybe I'll just cut you out of the inheritance. How many know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't be too happy about that. I wouldn't be responding by saying, okay, here you go, son, or here you go to my daughter. Here you can have it. In fact, I would be angry. I might be sending them to their room, not giving them half of the stuff, right? But that's not how the father in the story Responds. In fact, the Bible says that the father in the story responded to his son by going out and dividing up all that he had among his two sons. Now, you got to think about this for just a second. Imagine what that would have taken. That would have been a huge undertaking back in those days because it wasn't like they just had a bank account or a ledger that just kind of kept up how, many, how much money they had. Instead of money, what they had was they had livestock and they had cattle and they had sheep and they had land and they had these things. And so in order to divide this up among the two sons, it probably would have taken weeks to go out and survey the land and divide up the sheep and all of these kinds of all these kind of things but this is what the father did he divided it among the two sons and then you see what happens a couple of verses later it says that the son only a couple of days everybody say a couple of days a few days later a couple of days later the son takes this inheritance that his father has divided among the two sons and the bible says that he went and he sold it all can you imagine how that must have made the father feel Like, here's a father who, his whole life savings, everything that he has gathered all of his life, and now he's taken weeks to go and divide it among his son, which his son shouldn't have even received it until after he had died. But he goes and he does this out of grace and compassion for his son. And now his son, in just a couple of days, takes it all and sells it all and keeps the money for himself. And then the Bible says that the son goes off to Vegas. He goes off to a foreign land, and he just begins to squander it all. He lives his life with women and wine and music and parties. And it's not very long until all of the money that he had is gone. It's not long until he has spent up, squandered all of the father's money. And the Bible says that he finds himself in a pig's pen. 
looking at the food that the pigs are eating, starving to death. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that he came to his senses and he began to think, you know, even the slaves, even the servants in my father's house, they at least have something to eat. And there as he's, as he's sitting there in the pig's pen thinking, I could even eat the pig's food, something happens and he begins to just kind of devise this plan. And I know a lot of times when we read this story, we kind of think, well, that's where the son repented. But that's not really what was happening in his heart. Really, he was just kind of thinking, well, maybe I could kind of get this scheme that maybe I go back to the father and, and I don't have to be a son. I don't have to have a relationship with the father. I don't have to live under his rules. I don't have to do his thing. I can just be a servant and then at least I'll, at least my stomach won't be hungry anymore. At least I'll have a little food to eat. And so he kind of devises this little plan, kind of like we do sometimes, like, well, I don't really want to serve God, but I'm kind of tired of this kind of messed up life that I'm living in. And so maybe I can just go to church every once in a while, sing a couple songs and raise my hand every now and then. Maybe God will bless me. And we get this kind of maybe partially repentant heart but not really we kind of just have this scheme in our heart come on anybody recognize what I'm talking about and he comes back to the father not really all that repentance and then we see the father's response towards the son and this is where we pick up our story in verse number 20 read it along with me today it says and so he returned home to his father And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and what? Everybody say it aloud. And compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. For we must celebrate with a feast For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is what? He is found. What an incredible picture of the love that our Father in heaven has for us. As Jesus shares this story, what a powerful, powerful illustration of God's love for his Children. In fact, in this story, wrapped up in this story, I believe we find kind of the main theme, the moral of the story today. And that is this. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. The moral of the whole story is this. You may leave the Father's house, but you can never escape the Father's heart. Mm, that's good. Come on. Somebody should have said amen because that was, that was good. You, you may leave the Father's house. Some of you are here today and, and maybe, maybe you're here in the Father's house, but maybe in your heart you have left the Father's ways and maybe, maybe you have tried to run from what God has for you and maybe you have tried to live your life your own way and maybe even some of you are here today and maybe you think, I'm too far away from God and God could never love me and God could never forgive me for what I have done. And here's the good news for you here this morning is that even though you may have left the Father's house, can I tell you, you have not left the Father's heart. His heart is still a heart of love and compassion for you that no matter how far you run and no matter what you do and no matter how you have sinned and no matter how much you have messed up, God still loves you. God has grace and mercy and compassion for you. In fact, Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. He says, for I am convinced that nothing, everybody say nothing, 
that nothing can ever separate us from God's love for us. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing. Everybody say it again. Nothing. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, let me just tell you something here today. No matter what you have done or where you have gone, you can leave the Father's house, but you have not left His heart. He loves you. And how many believe that this morning, that God loves you? How many believe that? Now here's the problem, all right? You ready for this? I think that in our hearts we all know that. But I think sometimes we can't seem to kind of get it in our minds. The truth of the matter is, is I think deep down inside we know that the Father loves us. But I think sometimes in our minds, the thoughts that we have towards God and the way that we even envision God is so far from what Jesus is trying to show us about our Father in heaven. That sometimes I think, especially maybe if we grew up in church, sometimes we have this image of God. In fact, think about this for a second. If you were to just close your eyes and think about God, what image would come to mind? I, I just did a little kind of Google search, just Googled God on Google Images. Anybody ever done Google Images before, right? And you just go on there, and I just Googled God, and I want you to see the images that came up. Does that look like a loving father to you? I mean, that looks more like the, you know, the cover of the movie Grumpy Old Men. You know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes in our, in our minds, here's what we have. We have this picture of God, and instead of him being this loving father that is waiting to welcome us home as we return to him, sometimes we get this idea of a God with these lightning bolts up in heaven that is just waiting for us to mess up so that he can just zap us for our sins. Come on, how many know what I'm saying? And so I think down in our heart, we we understand that, yes, God is a loving God, and yet sometimes we can't seem to just really let it sink in that he is a father, and that no matter how far we may run, that you may have left his house, but you have not left his heart, that he loves you, that you are his child. In fact, that's what the scripture says in 1 John 3 and verse 1. It says, see how very much our father loves us, for he has called us what? His children. And that is who we are. We are God's children. Everybody look at your neighbor tell him, you are God's child. You, you are God's child. You are his most precious possession. In fact, that's what the scripture says in Deuteronomy 26 and verse 18, that the Lord has declared today that you are what? His people, his own special treasure, no matter how far you run. You may escape the Father's house, but you can never leave his heart for you. And I want to talk about this for just a minute this morning. If you're taking notes, I want to talk about the heart of the Father. And I want to look at this story. And I want to just point out four things about the Father's heart. The first one this is this this morning, if you're taking notes, is that it's a heart of compassion. So everybody say compassion. Look what it says in verse 20. And while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and coming, uh, coming and was filled with what? With love and compassion for him. You know, it would have been really easy for the, for the father to be filled with contempt. What? You, I mean, you, you, you insult me in that way. You basically say, I wish you were dead. You say, 
to the Father, I, I don't really want a relationship with you. I just want all your stuff. And then you take my life savings, everything that I have gathered up all of my life, and you take it in, in a matter of however long you squander it, and it is gone. And then you come back here to me, and you expect me to accept you back in. It would have been easy for the Father to have a heart of contempt. How many know what I'm saying? And yet instead of a heart of contempt, he was filled with this heart of Compassion, And man, this shows us, this story shows us so much about the Father's heart for us. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Psalm 103 in verse 8. It says, for the Lord is what? Is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. In Psalm 103 in verse 13, it says, for the Lord is like a father for his children, tender and compassionate for those who fear him. What an incredible image. If we could just get that old image of the grumpy old man out of our, of our minds and get this image of this father who loves us, that his mercies for us are new every single morning, that his kindness and his love is never failing, that great is his love and his compassion towards us. This is the heart of the father towards his children. Let me just tell you this, that not only is God's heart a heart of compassion, but I believe that God has called us as his house to be a house of compassion. That as followers of Christ, that we are to take on the heart of God. And that when lost sons and daughters come back to his house, that we would love and accept them with open arms just as the Father did. You know, the truth is, I think sometimes for those of us that maybe have been in church for a long time, it's easier to have more of a heart like the older brother in the story. In fact, next week we're going to talk a little bit more about the older brother. But you see in the story the heart that the older brother had, that here he is, he's going, well, wait a minute. I've been here the whole time, and you've been out partying and wasting the money, and I've been here working, and I've been here obeying the rules, and I've been here doing all this stuff. And now my brother, my younger brother, wants to come back and wants to be just accepted like nothing ever happened. And he has this kind of heart of contempt towards his brother. And I think that sometimes that's the way we can be as Christians, that we can go, well, I've been serving God, and I've been living for the Lord, and I've been in church every Sunday for the last 40 years, bless God. How many know what I'm saying, right? And those sinners just going to come in here, and we're just going just gonna to be forgiven, and everything's like nothing's ever happened. And sometimes we can, get, we can get this wrong heart towards those who are lost. And here's what I challenge you to do today. Would you just let the Father break your heart just like his heart is broken for those that are lost all around you? In fact, let me just ask you this. When was the last time that you cried? When was the last time that you, your heart was broken? When was the last time that you decided to just pray for a neighbor that you know that doesn't know the Lord? When was the last time you decided to just get down on your knees and just cry and let the tears flow for that family member that you know that is not where they need to be with God? You see, the Father's heart was a heart of compassion and he calls us to that same heart that we have been forgiven and because we have been forgiven much then our compassion should be great for those who are in need of forgiveness come on i'm preaching say amen or something come on look at this number two the father's heart is a heart of protection everybody say protection look what we see in verse number 20 and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. Now, here's what you need to understand about the day that 
they were living in and the day that this story was being told. In, in those days, grown men did not run. Now, in these days, grown men don't run as much as they ought to, right? And then when we do, it's only if someone is chasing us, you know, I'm saying. But in those days, man, grown men did not run. And the reason that they didn't run was because of the garments that they wore. They wore these long, flowy garments that would, that would cover their entire body. They covered their feet and their ankles. And the reason they did that is because in their culture of that day, it was considered shameful to really to show your feet or to show your ankles or to show, or to show your legs. It wasn't just because they had scrawny legs like me either. It was, it was shameful to, be, to, to show anyone that skin. And so when this father sees the son afar off and he sees that he is coming, here's what the Bible says, that he runs towards him. That means that he would have had to take in his, take in his garment and he would have had to pick it up, which he would have been exposing his feet and his ankles and exposing his legs, which would have been, which would have been very shameful for him in that culture that day. But here's what the father was doing. The father knew that the son had left and he knew that there was this great contempt and that there was this great guilt and shame that it was that it was a humbling thing for the son to have to come back and humble himself before the father and he knew that everyone in the community would have known what was going on and he knew the shame that the son would have been carrying upon himself to come back that day and so the father with a heart of protection not wanting his son to have to carry the shame he actually lifted up his garment and he put the shame upon himself as he ran towards his son. Come on, this good stuff. I'm telling you, it reminds me of the father in heaven when he looked down and he saw our sin and he saw our guilt and he saw our shame. And with a heart of protection, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who had never sinned, who had no reason for guilt or shame to hang upon that cross and carry all the guilt and shame upon himself to protect us from the guilt of our sin that we had committed. It's a heart of protection. That's the heart of the Father for every single one of us that He wants to, he wants to protect us from the guilt and the shame that is brought about by our own sins. Let me tell you something here today. This is the same kind of heart that God has called us to have as a church, that we would be a house of protection. That we would be a place where lost sons and daughters can return. And instead of returning and everyone looking upon with judgment and with, and with guilt and putting on the shame upon their life. But instead that we would be a safe place where those lost sons and daughters that, that maybe have gone out of the Father's house would come. And through us they would experience the Father's heart and the Father's love for them. The Father's heart was a heart of compassion it was a heart of protection but notice number three i love this one it was a heart of restoration everybody say restoration Restoration. heart of restoration verse number 21 look what it says and his son said to him father i have sinned against both heaven and you and i am no longer worthy of being called your son but his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet for my son has Come home. Now think about this for just a second. The father could have easily said, okay, you can be a servant, but you're going to have to earn your way back into this house. 
He could have he easily said, you know, you can come back and you can live with the servants, but you're never going to, again, be on the same level as us. But that's not what the father does. No, what does the father do? The Bible says the father says, go and get the family ring. This ring was a, a ring that had the family insignia upon the ring. It represented people who were a part of the family. He said, go get the family ring. He said, go get the family robe and put it over my son so that we can cover up the dirt and the guilt and the shame of where he has been and what he has done and then notice what he calls him he doesn't say hey come on in servant no what does he say he says for my what for my son has come home what is happening here the father has this heart of restoration that even though the son was lost that even though the son had messed up that even though the son had had broken the father's heart that the son that when the son came back he didn't just become a servant but instead the father restored him to his previous position he said put the family ring on his finger put the family cloak on his back because this is my son. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he is found. What an incredible heart of restoration. And here's what I want you to know. That's the father's heart for you. Some of you say, well, I've messed up too bad and you don't know what I've done in my marriage or you don't know how I've hurt others and maybe I could come back and be a Christian and maybe I could go to heaven, but I've messed up too much stuff that there's no way that it, it could ever be restored. And here's what I want you to know today is that if you can come to the Father today, He not only wants to accept you back as a servant or a slave, He wants to accept you as His son and He wants to restore everything that was broken, that He can make it not just, not just like it was uh, fixed, but he can make it as if it is brand new. In fact, this is what the scripture is saying in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16. It says that if anyone belongs to Christ, he has become what? A what? A new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who what? Look at this. Who brought us back to himself through Christ Jesus. This is the heart of restoration that maybe you've messed it up so bad that you think it can't be fixed. And let me just tell you, maybe it can't be fixed, but maybe it can be made brand new. Through his heart of love and compassion that if you are in Christ, you are not just a a broken vessel that was fixed. You are made a new creation and he wants to bring you back to like you were brand new, to restore it as if it was even better than new. And here's what's amazing here today is that not only is that what the Father does for us, but that's what God has called us as his people to do for others. In fact, if you keep reading that passage in the very next verse, in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5, look what it says. And then God has given who? Us. He has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak when uh, Christ when we plead to others Come back to God. Here's the awesome thing is that not only does God have a heart of restoration, but he sends us out to be people of restoration for those who are lost and those who are hurting to call out to them. Come back to God and be reconciled in relationship with him. See, the heart of the father. Man, man, you may leave the father's house, but I'm telling you, you're not going to leave 
the Father's heart. He is, he's got a heart of compassion. He's got a heart of protection. He's got a heart of restoration. But notice this one, number four. I love this one. It's a heart of celebration. Come on, everybody say celebration. 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 I love the way this story ends. You know how it ends? It ends with a party. Come on, somebody just say party. Come on. It ends with a party. And isn't that what you do when you, when you lose something that is valuable to you? And then you find it, what do you do? You're like, yeah, happy dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, I lost that money, but I found it. Or I lost that ring, but I found it. And, and just imagine, like, as excited as you are when you lose something of great value and then you find it and how happy you are, now just multiply that by a million as, as how it would be if it was your son or your daughter that was lost and then you found him, right? And here's what's, here's what's so incredible is that when the father looks out and sees his son in the distance and he sees him returning, that he loves him and he runs towards him. And then he, then he goes on and he says, all right, we're going to celebrate. We're going we're to kill the fatted calf. You know, you know what that means? That means that they had already been preparing. Here's what's amazing is that the father had already been preparing for his son to return. The fact that he had been fattening up a calf to get ready for a party meant that he knew that one day his son was going to come back. And when his son came back, he was going to be ready so that he could have a celebration, so that he could party, so that they could all go, my son that was dead is now alive. My son that was lost, he's now found once again. And here's what I want you to get. That's the heart of the father. That even though you may leave his house, that you can't leave his heart, that you can't escape his love. And his, his love is always looking out for people who are hurting and people who are lost and people who are gone and people who are away from his house and his heart is always drawing them in. And here's, here's what I want you to understand here today. Everybody just paying attention right here for just a second. In two weeks from today, it's the biggest day of, of the year for church. It's called what? Easter, right? And we know how it is on Easter. Everybody goes to church on Easter because you, you got to go to church on Easter, right? You feel guilty if you don't go to church on Easter, right? And we know how it is. The place is full. In fact, we, this year we got to have four services in order to fit everybody in. It's pretty awesome, right? But here's what I want you to get is that in two weeks from today, there are going to be lost sons and lost daughters who are going to walk through that door back there just because it's Easter, you have friends and you have neighbors and you have relatives and you have people that you know that are lost sons and lost daughters. And maybe just maybe God would want to use you in the ministry of reconciliation to call them back to God. And here's, here's what's going to happen is that on Easter, it's the, it's the easiest day of the entire year to invite somebody to church. Because everybody wants to go to church on Easter. I mean, it's one thing to invite them on spring break, time change weekend. That's a little different. But Easter weekend, like everybody wants, because they want to show off their nice new Easter dress or their new Easter tie or whatever. And maybe they just come because we got an Easter egg hunt and the kid's going to do it. Or maybe because we're giving away prizes or maybe just because you invite them. But here's what we know that's really happening deep down on the surface is that there's a loving father who is standing at the end of the road. And he's just looking out for lost sons and lost daughters and people who are away from him. And he's just waiting for that time when they just walk through that door. And here's what he's going 
going to do? He's going to run towards them to embrace them. And here's what we're going to do as a church. In two weeks from today, when those lost sons and those lost daughters, those friends of yours, those neighbors, those relatives that you're going to invite and you're going to bring them, we're going to put our arms open wide and we're going to love them and we're going to embrace them. And I'm believing that we're going to see many, many, even, even dozens, maybe even hundreds of people come to relationship and renewed relationship with Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do is we're going to throw a big party. A day of celebration. Because the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father is a heart of compassion. It's a heart of love. It's a heart of protection. It's a heart of restoration. It's a heart of celebration. And no matter how far you may run today, you can run, but let me just tell you, the Father's always waiting. And all you got to do is turn back towards Him, one step towards Him, and He will come running towards you because you may leave the Father's house, but you're never going to leave His heart. He loves you no matter what.